0: what saith it? And then the Bible says the word. That's what we're dealing right now. We're not dealing with the commandments of Moses, okay? We're not dealing with statutes given ordinances to do. We're dealing with the word. The word is not a commandment for doing, amen? The word is for believing. And we need to draw that out as a distinction right now. We're asking people to believe the word of God. Not something that they can do, but it's given to them to believe. It's not a commandment for doing. The Bible says the word is nigh thee, it's not distant. You can go to a Dollar General and get one. <laughs> you can still go to any street corner. Uh, you can pretty much find some type of gospel preacher in every major town in America. You can still find that. It might be rare. But you can still find it. It's not difficult. It's within reach. It's easily obtained. It's easy to understand. The Word is nigh thee. We must remember that we stand on the Word. We preach the Word. We teach the Word. The Word is for believing. I'm not here to correct the Word. I'm here to be corrected by the Word. You're not here to rewrite the Word. We are here to believe the Word. Any attempt to rewrite it or correct it or amend it is a way of a heart pouring out that says, I don't believe it. We can believe it. People will let you down. Contracts will go void. People will... You think you trust them and all of a sudden the rug got pulled off from under your feet. Not the word. Amen. You can believe it. You can trust it. It's in thy mouth. You, you remember this book? I got this book because I wanted to be a better husband. The five love languages. <laughs> figure out that. I think that I, no, no guy can figure that out. <laughs> I mean, you can sell some books and all, and you know, you. I, I took the notes. You know, I have it, and and uh, you know, I went through all that, and I, it was a help. I'm telling you. <laughs> You want a love language? Thy Word is nigh in thy mouth. That's our love language. The Word. The Word. It should be our favorite conversation. Listen up, young boys. It might be football season, but what comes out of your mouth more than football? Is it the Word? It may be fall season. Time to decorate. Time to do garden this. Time to plant this. Fine. Okay. Okay. But has it replaced the Word that comes out of your mouth? Has it replaced the conversations for the Word? It should be in thy mouth. Moses gave a charge to his people. We talked about this this morning. He said, The Word is very nigh unto thee in thy mouth and in thy heart that thou mayest do it. Why did he tell them that? We talked about this morning. You don't have to look for a Mount Sinai manifestation. You got the Word. Young people, Sunday school teachers may ask you to memorize the Word. You might be taught to recite a Scripture verse. You might be taught to, okay, stand up, give me all the Ten Commandments. Stand up, recite John 3.16. Reciting the Word. Okay, it's in your mouth, but it is in your heart. Does it mean something to you? Preach it. Speak it. Verse number 8. But what saith it? The word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth and in thy heart. That is the word of faith, that's the gospel, which we preach. We all know what the gospel is. 1 Corinthians 15. Christ died for our sins. Christ was buried for our sins. Christ is risen for our sins. According to what? The scripted Word. You can believe it. Christ in 1 Corinthians, He was the one that was seen of Cephas, an individual. He was the one that was seen of the twelve. A group, a small group. He was the one that was seen of 500 witnesses, a very, very large group. He is the one that we preach and we believe. It's the Word of Faith. The Gospel message. We preach it with our mouths. We pray that the message drops from the sinner's ears to their heart. And now that their lungs are filled with the life now that radiates with the Holy Spirit. Only God can do that. We are told to preach it and believe it. God will produce the results. Nothing remains for you and I to do. So when you look at that in verse uh, chapter number 10, look at it real quick. I know we touched on it this morning. But you see that, who shall ascend into heaven, verse 6, that is to bring Christ down from above, or verse 7 says, who shall descend to the deep, that is to bring Christ again from the dead. Um, We talked about it, there's nothing that remains for you and I to do or see or have manifested. Now it's just believe the word, amen. Okay, let me try to get into some things now, so I'd like you to just kind of buckle up and get zoned in on focusing because we're going to dive into some... It may seem hair-splitting, but I want us to get some distinctions here in verse number 9. Watch what it says. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus. Go to John 12 as we hold this thought. John chapter number 12. Because the Jews had a problem. Remember, Romans chapter 9 is the Jews' past. Romans chapter 10, the entire chapter, if, it was, if we were to sum it up, it would, be, it would be Israel's present. And then Romans chapter number 11 is Israel's future. So the Jews have uh, an issue. And John chapter number 12, we get a glimpse of that. Uh, verse number 43 in John 12. Uh, 40, uh, 42. Nevertheless, John 12, 42. Among the chief rulers, those would be Jews. So nevertheless, among the chief rulers, also many believed on him. But, watch this. Because of the Pharisees, they did not confess him. Why am I saying that? because believing and confessing are two different things and that's going to be important in Romans chapter number 10. And in John chapter number 12, we have a situation here where some chief rulers believed on him. Now, when those chief rulers believed on him, that God's imputed righteousness was given to their account, was was accounted to them. But something didn't happen. What does it tell us? But because of the Pharisees, they did not confess Him. Why? Lest they should be put out of the synagogue. For they love the praise of men more than the praise of God. The Lord's ministering to the Jews, and then this situation happens. How many of you have believed on the Lord Jesus Christ? From the heart, you've believed on Him, and you've received His imputed righteousness. Amen. Has there been times in your past since you've been saved, where you have failed to confess Him in a situation or an opportunity where you had to confess Him. You blew a witness opportunity, you could have talked about the Lord, and, okay, that's what happened in John 12. And we can relate to that because we have all been there, done that. Did we lose our salvation? Not our soul's salvation. We didn't. But we lost an opportunity to make him known. In Romans chapter number 10, the other problem that the Jews have is that, uh, look at verse number 9, that thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and watch this, and shall believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Well, you can't have a gospel without a resurrection gospel means good news everything about it is bad news until you get to the resurrection it can't be good news unless you have someone that defeated death rose from the grave and can pay uh your sin so that's the resurrection and you can be somebody can be a hundred percent convinced from old testament prophecy that jesus really lived they can be hundred percent convinced that Jesus really died. They can be hundred percent convinced by reading the Old Testament that Jesus rose or that Jesus um, was placed in a grave and buried in a tomb. And you can you know they can take you on an archaeological trip. and they can see that all through the Old Testament and believe that, but that's not enough. Because until they believe the gospel, which is also the resurrection, it's just dead religion so you've got you've got to have belief that god verse 9 hath raised him from the dead you must put your faith in the power and dominion that god jesus christ has over death go back to romans 4 we can see this real quick i'd like you to read it romans 4 look at verse 25 who was delivered for our offenses and was raised again for what? Our justification. You can believe everything, but if you leave out, I don't believe He rose from the dead. You're lost. And the Jews denied this. And so Paul, through the Holy Spirit's inspiration, is trying to help them out. Also we see, thou shalt be saved at the end of verse 9. Confession without belief, all it is, is self-deception or hypocrisy. Your mouth is confessing something that your heart doesn't believe. That's bad news. That's bad news. A trusting heart, in contrast, a trusting heart provokes a true confession. Does that make sense? Now, let's back up a little bit because Romans 9 is Israel's past. Romans 10, drawing the lens back, is Israel's present. Romans 11 is Israel's what? Future. In Romans chapter 10, look at verse number 1. prayer, uh, desire in prayer to God for Israel. You see that, Israel. Um, verse number 3, who is being ignorant for they being ignorant? Who is, who is being ignorant? Israel. Uh, verse number 2, for I bear them record that they have a zeal of God. They, who's the they in verse 2? Israel, It's Israel again. Look at verse 5. We'll do one more. For Moses described the righteousness which is of the law. Who is the law given to? Israel. You see that? Israel, Israel, Israel. Romans 10. Look at verse number 9. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, then... Uh, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised Him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Now, I want you to notice something in verse number 9. What comes first in the list in Romans 9? Confession with the mouth or believing in the heart? Romans 9, or verse 9 rather. Look, what comes first in verse 9? That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth, It's interesting to me that that comes first and then believe in thy heart comes second in verse number 9. And I say that because there's an Israel overtone throughout Romans chapter 10. And what we looked at in verses 5, 6, and 7 this morning was how Paul takes what Moses said in Deuteronomy 30, the righteousness of the law, and he applies it to the righteousness of faith. The confession for Israel is first. Remember we looked at Deuteronomy 30? It's law, commandments. They recite it. They teach it diligently to their children. They're confessing that law over and over and over and over again. As a nation, what hasn't Israel done yet? That remnant hasn't turned to him nationally those individuals that are going to be left, the other, their heart has not turned toward him, but it will. And I believe there's a glimpse of truth here. This is Moses' order. This is Israel's order, if you will. Now watch this in verse 10. What comes first? For with the heart man believeth on the righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. What comes first now in verse 10? Belief. It's not the order of Moses. It's not the order of Israel. That's the order of us. And any individual Jew that would want to get saved now. And I say that because when are you made righteous? Let me rephrase that. Most of you are saved this this afternoon. When were... You made righteous the moment you did what? Believed. The moment you believed, you trusted in Christ with a trusting belief. You believed on Christ with a repentant turning toward God and putting your faith and trust in Him. You've believed on Him And the moment you believed on Him, what does verse 10 say that you received? For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness. You believe with the what? Heart. And you and I would confess with the mouth. However, believing and confessing or calling are two different things. Believing, look at verse number 10, it's under righteousness. It is an internal thing. Nobody saw it but God. Confession is a ver- it's un- uh, it says in verse number 10, uh, mouth confession is made unto salvation. It is a verbal calling which is external. One is internal, one is external. Heart, inward, mouth, it's an external. But your confession is not how you believe. Stay with me. Your confession is what believers do. It is what you do as a believer. You confess. It's an outward external expression of what happened the same with baptism it doesn't save you they're two separate events well I mean you have the baptism of the Holy Spirit I'm talking about water baptism is a separate external event you rewind and ask this question what comes first Look at verse 14. Let's read a question. How then shall they call, external, on him in whom they have not believed? Answer the question. They can't. (laughs) (laughs) That's the answer to the question, folks. How shall they call on him, In whom they have not believed. Nobody can do that. It's impossible to call if you haven't first done what? Believed. So what comes first? Believing. Believing comes first. Those that call believers, those that confess, have already done what? Believed. So it means two things. Number one, they have already been made righteous. Verse 10. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness. And this is key. Number two, Not only have they already been made righteous, but number two, believers are those that are calling upon the name of the Lord. Now we're going somewhere with this. This is vitally important. Look at Acts chapter 9. I want to show you this in Acts chapter 9. You got problems going on with the saints at Jerusalem. Um, All the evil that's being done. Verse 13, Uh, verse 14. And here, authority from the chief priest to bind all. Watch it. uh, To bind all that what call on thy name. In Acts chapter 9, who is calling on thy name, on the Lord's name? Believers, believers historically and biblically have always called on the name of the Lord. Have you done that this week? Have you done that this month? Have there been situations in your life where I just need to call on the Lord? I need some help. Lord, help me. What are you doing? As a believer, you're calling on the Lord. That should be a normal everyday occurrence, folks. Amen. That's what we do as believers. Look at 1 Corinthians 1. 1 Corinthians 1. 1 Corinthians Corinthians chapter number 1. It's good to see Siler is awake still. Amen. Amen. Good to see you out there, buddy. 1 Corinthians chapter number 1. You don't mind me picking on you, do you? All right, look at 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Look at verse number 2. Unto the church of God, which is at Corinth, to them that are sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints. I mean, does it get any clearer? These are what? Bloodwashed believers. With all that in every place call upon the name of Jesus Christ our Lord, both theirs and ours. You know what believers do? Another example, they call upon the name of Jesus Christ. That's what believers do. One more. Go to Second Timothy two. 2 Timothy chapter number two. Look at verse twenty 2 Timothy two, verse twenty two. Bible says, "Flee also youthful lusts." And we should hear, I want. To, I need to hear an amen. We got some young people here. Flee also youthful lusts. Amen. Hey man. Hey man. We need no. We need some southern. Hey man. Let's help me out here. Get your own little twang to it. Flee also youthful lusts. Amen. Okay. My, my wife's helping me out because the kids don't kind of get it. Amen. Thank you. Look, I'm serious. There's some things you need to flee, and you should be amening that in a church house. Why? Because the world rallies around the lusts. Right, yeah. And they cheer for the lusts. And they're not quiet about it. Right, that's right. Young people, don't believe this idea while well, you keep it in the church. No, you need to flee what God's Word tells you to flee. And it says, Follow after righteousness, faith, charity, peace, And them that do what? Call on the Lord out of a pure heart. Young people, you might want to surround yourself with some older saints that have a habit of calling on the name of the Lord. That's what believers do. That's what they've always done. We call on the Lord for help. Now with that foundation laid, go back to Romans 10 and look at verse number 10. Believers call, they confess. That's what they do. Look at verse number 10. I'm going to challenge you here with the last phrase, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Now, I want to challenge you on thinking through what this salvation is. At the beginning of the verse, we're at the heart, man believeth unto righteousness. When you believe, when I believe, we receive God's imputed righteousness. At that moment, was our soul saved? It was. The moment someone believed, And we talked about every believer that has received God's imputed righteousness. Every believer through the book of Acts. We see they call upon the name of the Lord. We see they get water baptized. It's what believers do. So what is this salvation? I'm going to submit to you this afternoon that I believe the salvation that's being spoken about is believers being saved or delivered from the power of sin in their daily walk with the Lord. When believers call upon the Lord, they're making a verbal confession, a decision to walk by faith. This saves them. This gives them physical deliverance from the consequences of sin in their daily life. It's present, victorious living, a life for Christ here on earth. Why do I say that? When you believe, what happens? Do you receive God's imputed righteousness? Are you saved? Or does it not happen until you call? Abraham believed God and it was counted or accounted unto him for righteousness. The moment he believed believers now always call believers now always get water baptized those actions externally don't do anything for our soul's salvation oh lord help me i'm calling on the lord i need some help why because i want to be physically saved and delivered from that situation that sin that's what's coming into my life oh lord help me Romans 9 is Israel's past. Romans 10 is Israel's present. Romans 11 is Israel's future. Why do I go over that again? Get Acts 2. Acts 2. Keep your finger in Romans 10 and actually get get Joel 2 and Acts 2. Go back to the book of Joel, chapter number 2, right after the book of Hosea, which is right after the book of Daniel, you'll come to Joel, chapter number 2, Joel 2 and Acts 2. And I think we'll get some clues here. Watch what Joel says in chapter 2. Look at verse 31. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon the blood before the great and terrible day of the Lord. Joel 2 is talking about a future occurrence and a future blessing that will be bestowed upon the nation. And in verse number 32, watch what it says. And it shall come to pass, watch it, that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be what? Delivered. For in Mount Zion and in Jerusalem shall be deliverance As the Lord hath said in the remnant whom the Lord shall call. Prophetically speaking, when the church is caught up, now the timeline starts ticking for Daniel's prophetic week. Daniel's 70th week, prophetically, is going to start to happen where it's going to be seven years. God's going to deal with that nation of Israel. And Daniel 9 will now be fulfilled. And that nation will give up. They won't, they'll flee out of Jerusalem. They'll flee the temple. They won't care about any of that. They're going to flee into the mountains and they're finally going to trust God to take care of them. And now when when Christ comes back at His second coming, they will look upon Him on whom they have pierced. This is the remnant. They're going to call upon the name of the Lord. And they will be saved. They will be delivered. And they will enter physically into Christ's kingdom. It will be a 1,000 year reign of Christ on earth. That starts the day of the Lord. <laughs> That's when he's coming back. And that remnant, Israel, will call on, on him and they will be physically delivered, not die, and they will enter into that kingdom. Does that make sense? People are going to be living on the earth after the church is caught out, but if they don't obey what God told them to obey, they get wiped out. <laughs> It's not going to happen with this remnant. Does that make sense? It's a physical deliverance. Now get Acts chapter number 2. Acts chapter 2. Look at verse number 20. Uh, The sun, Acts 2 verse 20. The sun shall be turned into darkness. Does that sound familiar, Joel 2? And the moon into blood before that great and notable day of the Lord. Now, there is not a contradiction in the Bible between Acts 2 and Joel 2. How many of you noticed that one said terrible, one said notable? Are we coming back with the Lord when He comes to rule and reign? It's going to be a notable day for us. Oh, wow, hey, hmm, let's take note of that. That's very notable. For those who are God's enemy, it will be a terrible day. It's not a contradiction. It's a viewpoint from two different perspectives. And Acts chapter number 2, the 21st verse, gives us the same uh, as Joel 2. And it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Folks, Joel 2, Acts 2 is a physical salvation, it's a physical deliverance that will deliver them, save them physically, and they will enter into the millennial kingdom. That is what that is referenced to. You say, boy, Brother Jim, you spent a lot of time on that. Why? (laughs) Well, because there's false teaching out there that if we don't have an understanding of this, we can easily get mixed up with. There is a group out there that is disguising themselves as independent Baptists, and they're not. Many conservative groups that may hold to the King James Bible or they may uphold to conservative dress standards or conservative music standards look at true independent Baptist churches as a target for heresy. They know we study the Bible. They know we believe the Bible. And so doctrine gets twisted And many independent Baptist churches are getting swept away with the heresy I'm about to mention. Now, this heresy comes from a group that calls themselves the new IFB. The new independent fundamental Baptists. Now, they have to have that name because they have to have a way to say, well, you you guys are old, you don't know what you're doing. And it tramples on our forefathers and what they have taught and believed. And one of the things that they teach is that a man cannot be saved by simply believing. You repent. You have a repenting belief, a trusting belief, and they say that is they say that Baptists have that wrong. So now they come in, look, we're the new IFB. We have something to offer that the old guys don't. My Bible says repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. But this new IFB gospel says you must call, you must confess, or you're not saved. So their soul winning campaigns include getting those people to repeat words. Because in their mind, in order to get them saved, they have to verbally confess and call upon the name of the Lord. Repeat a prayer. Say this prayer. Let me wait for you to confess and call. And how will they get them to do that? Folks, they'll get them to do that out of Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10. That is exactly where they will go. If you get hit with this, you need to go, you need to be armed to go to Joel 2, Acts 2, and get an understanding of what salvation is in its context. Go to 2 Corinthians 4. Let me show you something. 2 Corinthians 4, I haven't looked at this verse in a while. If that's the same for you, but it really is fitting here. Second Corinthians chapter number four. Uh, look at verse. here it is, verse 13. We having the same spirit of faith, according as it is written, I believed, what does it say next? And therefore have I what spoken. Believers always speak. Believers always call. Believers always confess with their mouth the Lord. It's what we do. But it is not the same thing as believing. Believe, I believed and therefore have I spoken. We also believe and therefore do what? Speak. Speak. I have received God's imputed righteousness by believing. Not by asking, not by crying, not by, by believing. By believing. Abraham believed God and it was imputed unto him what? God's righteousness. God's righteousness. Go back, uh, well, look at Romans 4. Might as well look at it. Look at Romans 4. Romans chapter 4, look at verse number 5. Romans 4, 5. Why don't you you all read it with me. Romans 4, Verse number 5. When you're there, say amen. Okay, Romans 4, verse 5. Here we go. But to him that worketh not, but believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. You can't work. You've got to believe. <laughs> that's how you justified. That's how you are received God's imputed righteousness. Now, you think about receiving a gift from someone. If if after the church service, I go up to Brother Eric and I say, hey, I have this gift for you and I'd like you to receive it. And so Eric receives the gift. And he goes home. But an hour later, I get a knock on my door. It's Brother Eric. I said, oh, hey, Eric, how's it going? He goes, pretty good. Can I have that gift that you gave me? Huh? Brother, you already received it. You've got it. It wouldn't make any sense at all. If you believed you received God's imputed righteousness, call on Him, thank Him. Lord, thank You for saving me. Oh, Lord, You're my Savior. Thank You, Lord. We get into a time of trouble. We call on Him. But calling and believing are two separate things. Somebody gives me a gift, I receive it. I don't go back to their house and say, by the way, I'd like to ask for that gift. Bro, you already got it. You already got it. Look at verse number 10 in Romans 10. Romans chapter 10. I must say this. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness. Righteousness is not imputed by you listing all of your sins. Uh, (laughs) Righteousness is not imputed, hear me out, by you repenting of all your sins because you can't repent of all your sins because you don't know all the sins that you've committed that you need to repent of. Wives, ask your husbands. Husbands, ask your wives. Kids, ask your parents. Parents, ask your kids. They'll list to you plenty of sins that you're not ready to admit to. Should you repent? Yes, toward God. (laughs) I'm putting my faith that's trusting in God. I am repenting. I'm turning from what I've been trusting in. Yes, I'm a sinner. I know that. I'm repenting from what I've been trusting in. I've been putting my full faith and trust in Christ. Yes, I know I'm a sinner. God, I can't list all my sins. I'm simply going to cast myself upon the mercy of God and ask Him to save my soul. When I trust on Him, I receive His imputed righteousness. When I call on Him, I'm doing what believers do. Thank you for saving my soul, Lord. The moment you believe, you receive God's imputed righteousness. It doesn't say you have to make some big emotional show, cry in public, run an aisle, do any of these emotional things. I'm not saying people that have done that aren't saved, but if they're doing that and they've not repented and trust with a repenting faith, a trusting faith, if they've not done that, they've not believed. It doesn't matter what the externals are. The preacher gave an invitation, so I know it was real. Did you believe? Did you believe? Everything depends on God. Aren't you glad you believed? Amen. Amen. All right, well, another thought, then we'll wrap this up. But this is important, and I do want to get through it. Romans chapter 10, uh, verse number 10. Uh, let's see. Let me see if I can add a bit of... Okay, Romans 10, verse 10 says, Ask Jesus into your heart, and you... Oh, wait. It, it, it don't say that. You might have a bracelet that says that or a Hallmark Christianity card. You might find that on a meme. But asking Jesus into your heart, folks, it's not in the Bible. It's not in the Bible. The Bible says, for with the heart man believeth unto righteousness. It's not ask and keep asking. Oh, beg and keep begging. Cry and keep crying. It's believe. Will you believe? Romans 6 says, Have you obeyed from the heart the form of doctrine which is delivered unto you? It's believe, not ask Jesus into your heart. Why would he want to come and live in your black heart? Amen. Why don't you just believe and allow him to, and, and then receive his imputed righteousness? You get a new heart, a new life in Christ, and you're hid with Christ in God. That is important because. I won't mention his name, I don't feel that's appropriate, but the point is appropriate, not the person. There was a famous Calvinist who was approached with this question. Somebody had this problem. The problem was this. The person came to this famous Calvinistic preacher and said, I've prayed this prayer over and over again, and I feel I've not saved. Now, we have a, 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 a lady that comes to visit our church every now and then. Same problem do done this, not saved. Done. And you know what? I've said to her. My wife has said to her. Chrissy has said to her. Every time they, they have witnessed to her, and we've uh, Caroline has said. to her, Every time we listen to her, it's we always give her the same answer. Will you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ to be saved? I mean, that comes to the bottom line. Just believe. Just trust and believe what He has done for you. But people come with these problems all the time. So this Calvinistic preacher said, well look, there's no sense in uh, repeating a prayer again. In other words, I understand what he's saying. We don't want to just have someone repeat a prayer and then call them saved. So okay, let's not do that. But his advice was this. Go home. He tells the person to go home. And he tells them, I want you to cry out to God as if hell would swallow, as if hell's ready to swallow you up. And you just keep crying out to God until God saves you. So he went home and he did that. And he comes back to this preacher and he says, I've been crying out to God and I'm not saved. And he said, You've got one of two options. You can stop crying out to God and go to hell. Or you can go back home and you can keep crying out to God until God saves you. Now, I've got a big problem with that. And I'm going to show you why. Go to Acts chapter number 16. Here's the problem Paul and Silas have been thrown in jail, they've been beaten, they're in jail. There's a Philippian jailer that hears about this. <laughs> oh boy, Paul and Silas, they have their feet in stocks. And there's a Philippian jailer that's witnessing this. Acts 16 is so great. Uh, Paul and Silas, uh, they start singing praises unto God. They start praying unto God. I wouldn't doubt if there was some preaching and and and. And the word of God being spoken about in that jail. And the Philippian jailer's hearing this. Oh, but then an earthquake comes. It shakes and those doors open. And the stocks come out of their feet. And they're free. And, and the jailer awakes and he sees that the door is open. And just like that man that was in distress... Oh, I've been crying out to God and He hasn't saved me. What do I do? Now you have a jailer that's in distress. He doesn't know what to do. He's about to kill himself. He thinks his, fris- he thinks his prisoners are going to flee. Oh, no. Paul and Silas tell him, Hey, man, we're here. Relax. There's no reason to hurt yourself. Watch what happens in verse number 30. Oh, verse number 29. They came trembling and they fell down. Uh, and he fell down before Paul and Silas and brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? Can you hear the tonality of distress in that Philippian jailer's voice? And the answer comes back in verse number 31. And they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Now shall be saved. And thy house. If that Calvinistic Preacher, was that Philippian jailer guard? Oh boy, it would have been the wrong advice. Go home and cry out to God and keep crying. Go home to beg God and keep begging. No, the advice biblically was what did Paul and Silas tell that man to do? Believe. 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 On the Lord Jesus Christ. And thou shalt be saved. And that's a soul salvation. Believe. That is a spiritual salvation. Believe. Believe. Whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have what? Everlasting life. John five twenty four Verily, verily I send to you he that heareth my words and believeth on him that sent me, hath everlasting life, and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. I want to show you two more things, and then we'll be done. Verse thirty one, they're told to what? Believe and they're saved spiritually. Look at verse number 33. And He took them the same arrow of the night and washed their stripes and was baptized, he and all his, straightway. What did the believer who already received God's imputed righteousness do after he believed, after his soul was saved? What did he do as a believer? He was baptized. Believers get baptized in water. Watch verse number 34. And when he had brought them out into his house, he set meat before them and rejoiced, believing in God with all his house. Verse number 34. What do believers always do? Rejoice. Now rejoicing can be expressed in many ways. One of the most common ways is calling, confessing, (laughs) Believers always get water baptized. All through the book of Acts, everyone, they get water baptized. And believers always call, rejo- or confess, rejoice with their mouth. Believers always do that. Same thing for Acts 8, and then we'll be done at Acts 8. Look at Acts 8. Acts chapter 8, verse 37. It's the same pattern. Acts chapter 8 verse 37. And Philip said to the Ethiopian eunuch, this is Acts 8, If thou believest with all thine heart thou mayest. What is he wanting to do? Well, he says, See, here is water. What doth hinder me to be baptized? Verse 36. And Philip tells him, If thou what? Believest. Well, He believed and he answered and said, verse 37, I believe that Jesus Christ is the son of God. In verse number 37, he does what? Believes. Look at verse 38. And he commanded the chariot to stand still and they went down both into the water, both Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. Verse 37, he was believed. He received God's imputed righteousness. What do all believers do? They get water baptized. Every single believer in, in the book of Acts gets water baptized. Look at verse number 39. And when they went come up out, and when they were come up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord called away Philip that the eunuch saw him no more, and he went on his way, rejoicing. It's the same pattern in Acts 8. Believe first, receive God's imputed righteousness. Water baptized for all believers. And then confession, calling, rejoicing. It's what believers do. So in Romans chapter number 10, verses 9 and 10, I want you to be careful of getting mixed up on, well, people have to beg and cry and work it up and make some. Believe. Believe. And I don't want you to get mixed up on if a new IFB preacher comes along and says, well, you're not really saved because you didn't really confess and you didn't say this prayer. And you can simply say, I received God's imputed righteousness when I put my faith and trust on Him. That moment, I was saved. As a believer, I call upon Him. That is what believers do. As a believer, I get water baptized. You've got water baptized? Amen. You've got confession, rejoicing, you've got it all. But the moment you put your faith and trust in Christ, you received His imputed righteousness. You can mark that down.